Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How are you going? Yeah, good, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you regular and we get a lot of great feedback that people love your views so i wanted to hear That's your view dangerous i wanted to hear your view on this one okay because we've got a letter from a listener to see if we can help them out with uh, their issue so they write it in and they say i've been a practitioner both internal as an hr director and now external to companies as a consultant for over 10 years i use the lsi and oci as often as i can with my clients I'm an evidence girl, so the research and validity appeals to me, and I'm yet to find a tool that has the ability to create the same kind of drive for change. Thank you. However, However. (laughs) here comes the twist. (laughs) Something that I hear more often than I would like is, quote, I have had a bad experience with LSI, OCI, whatever, and I'm not sure that I want to use that tool again, end quote. And then she goes on to say, many times, once I dig into this with them, it seems that there was a It was in the debrief or the lack of follow-up by the practitioner or avoidance by blaming the tool, the individual. I was wondering uh, how human synergistics deals with this, including some positive PR around the tools and hints on how how I can speak to this without disparaging the previous practitioner or the individual. It's a good question. Yeah. So quick summary of it is basically love the tool. But sometimes when they're meeting a new client or or proposing to use the LSI or OCI, people say they've had a bad experience in the past and don't want to do it. So what do you do? Yeah, we've it's something that comes up for us every now and then. And to be honest, Dom, there's a little part of me that dies a little bit every time I hear it. And it's not, I don't die a little bit because from the point of view of being a HS thing, I it's a bit disappointing and saddened because I actually think about the experience that the people Mm. walked away with. Mm. And so I think what might be a good thing to do is um, share typically, because I feel like there are recurring culprits for why people walk away with a negative experience. So maybe if we talk a bit about that and then the second part of the question around how do you deal with it. Yep. So I think the first thing is like this listener has said, first thing is, Take the position of curiosity and seek to understand first. So it's not about trying to make them want to do it after a bad experience. It's really just wanting to understand what happened Mm. that left them with this negative experience. And so we'll talk a bit about the questions that you can ask and how you do that. Mm. Some of the recurring culprits, and Dom, you might chime in as well, is the first thing. So Largely what I've found is it's either going to be because the person didn't like the feedback that they got. Yep. So that's the individual that that's she talks about. That's the individual that yep. she talks about. And the other side of it is that the experience wasn't a positive one mm-hmm. because of the debrief. So I found that generally when you get that reaction, it comes down to a few things. One is they feel judged mm-hmm. and they were told that blue is good and red and green is bad. Uh And they ended up with more red and green than blue. Yes. So, and that's something that we spent a lot of time, Dom, trying to combat. Occasionally, 
you know, we've said to practitioners, it's not good and bad, it's about effective and ineffective. But to be honest, that feels like code for good, good and, and bad. bad. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. you, it's not helpful to say that unless you explain well why it's really not about good and bad, about how the circumflex works. So I think that's the first thing. People feel judged and they feel like they've been found wanting. Mm. And of course, anybody who feels labelled yep. and boxed yep. is going to react. I would too. Yep. You know, like, and it feels more like a personality judgment mm. call. So I think people feel judged. The second thing is the debrief was not adequate, okay, or did not feel like it fulfilled uh. its promise. And that can be it wasn't long enough. It could be that it was too prescriptive. Uh. Okay. So I sat down with somebody and they talked and I received. Right. I'm going to tell you what your yep. profile says. Yeah. Yep. This is, let me tell you about you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? People see you as being this and, and, and there's no room for exploration. Mm, okay. Reflection. So it's really sitting with an expert. And so that goes back to feeling like labeled. Uh, and so, you know, people react to that. So the debrief wasn't adequate or it was too prescriptive. Yeah. It's a really interesting point because sometimes I think people go away from being accredited, feeling like they have to be that expert. Yes. Right? I've, yeah. I've learned about it. Or let me interpret it for you, yeah. Corinne, and tell you what it yeah. means. But really, what we want to do, you need to know some of that stuff, but it's about having the conversation. Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly right, Dom. I think that. People, because it's a diagnostic and mm. because it's got its own language, it's constructed in a particular way, people have to learn to debrief it. They then walk away, practitioners feeling like, and they want to do the right thing mm. by the clients, mm. but they feel like they have to be prepared, they have to have all the answers, mm. and they go into a task technical headspace yes. versus that humanistic encouraging mm. coaching space. Mm. And really, you know, it took me a long time, if I'm, you know, honest, Dom, it took me a long time to understand that really what deepening awareness is when you're debriefing is just helping people inquire mm. for themselves, mm. you know, sitting with them and asking them, you know, what do you see? What does it mean to you? Mm. How do you relate to it? Does it make sense? So it was really about helping them uncover rather than giving them answers. Mm. And I think that sometimes even meaning very well, practitioners start to feel like they have to give people answers mm. and give advice, you know, in that last podcast that you did. The advice with, trap. The yeah. advice trap. So we get caught in thinking that we have to give advice when really what the purpose of a debriefing is is to help the person inquire into the data, get their own insight. So ask lots of questions and be with them. Okay. So so the person's feeling, perhaps feeling like they got kind of judged, yeah. maybe they got kind of told rather than involved, you know, yeah. and, and actually yeah. going through the data. What else? The other thing I think too is that Sometimes they didn't want to be part of a program. Uh -huh. The organizations decided that this is a good thing to do and we would support that. But there was no warm-up. They were conscripted onto a program. So there was no choice. And the fourth thing I think that happens is when someone's completely blindsided 
by the feedback. So if you've had no warm-up, you don't understand really where this fits into what the organisation is doing and why you have been chosen. So a couple of times I've had times when people have gone along, complied with the organised wishes to do the organisation's wishes to do a program on NSI. But what's been in the background for them is they're worried why they were chosen right. to do it, you know, is it kind of a performance improvement thing. But I think if you're blindsided by the feedback and you never really wanted to be part of the process anyway, that's just a double whammy. Mm. Because if you were expecting one thing and you get something that is less constructive or you perceive as less positive, that can hurt. Mm. You know, that can be difficult to take. So I think there's some of the reasons that I've discovered over time. I don't know if you have any other the, examples, Dom. The only other one I'd add is sometimes people can feel exposed, right? So depending how it's been done, yeah. you know, if you were in a group that was maybe there was fighting, there was tense relationships in your team or something, and then you feel like you've been forced to show your profile or something like that, you know, where you've been forced to kind of... yeah, yeah. Like you feel like you've been exposed right in yeah, front of the group your somehow. Feedback and- yeah, or maybe you're the odd one out from yeah. the group or something like that, yeah. right? That could trigger people feeling, you know, wow, that wasn't a good experience for me. Yeah, for sure. You know, and so these are a lot of principles that, of course, yeah. we we <laughs> have front of mind, and we try to pass that on to others as well yeah. to think about these kinds of things. And so I think there are maybe two things two places to go with the second half of the question is what do you, how do you set yourself up for success and how do you set your clients up for success? But the first part is you've got a leader in front of you whose immediate reaction is, no, we're not doing that. That was, no, wasn't any good, didn't Mm. think it added any value is how it will also come across. Mm. It didn't add any value, didn't have a good experience. So what do you do in that moment? Mm. I think you would just ask, okay, fair enough, you know, tell me more what what happened and learn more about what their experience is. And you can't argue with somebody's perception. So that's why I think it is about fair enough, Mm. you know, tell me a bit more about what happened. I've never heard that from another leader, but I'm really keen to and really keen to understand what had gone on. Mm. So you're really looking for more information about what had happened around that specific example. I think it's important to not use it as information to try and get them to do it, Mm. you know, because that can feel like... I'm trying to sell you. I'm trying to sell you. Mm. The point here is really just to seek to understand and connect. I think the other thing to understand with a leader is, was it that experience per se or was it a 360? Like, was it the LSI? Was it something else in Mm. general? And what's their objection? So what is it? balanced again against the potential value. And so I think then it's about talking to them about what's in it for them in looking at if they do this kind of work. But it might be that that's not the first place that you go to. If they're open to the idea, because I think the next thing is to check out if they're open to considering it as an option and exploring what what kind of assurances would they need to get in order to kind of explore the idea. And sometimes what you can do there as a practitioner with a leader is maybe to send some, we've got heaps of podcasts, we've got heaps of YouTube 
videos, a lot of our videos from other leaders talking about their experiences. So the first instance might actually be giving a few other examples Uh. of where leaders have benefited from the process and also a discussion around it's broader than the diagnostic itself. You know, I think that's the other thing is how how would they be supported to grow? So I think there's a, a conversation around why they found it to be lacking. What is it that's important to them about their own development and their growth? And how can you support them? So I think they're kind of the basic questions that you'd take from it with any client. But I think you revisit it, mm. you know, because what you've been given is a, a stop sign that yes. says I'm I'm not sure that I'm ready, willing, or able. And I think that idea of being ready, willing, and able is a good kind of checklist mm. for practitioners to as a way of setting people up for success. Yeah, you know, and so, so what I'm hearing is you got to hear people out. So. What was it? What happened? Yeah. Right? Let me understand because there probably was something, do you know? Like, yeah. And then it's kind of talking to them potentially, right? If, if they're open to the conversation, then it's about, well, how, how would we go about it if, if we were going to do it? How would we go about it in a way where we don't fall into whatever traps happened in the past, right? People yeah. felt judged or exposed and yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And it might be that it's not the first thing that you do, you know, so- yeah. People might be surprised to hear that if somebody said that to me, oh. then I'm not going to lead with the LSI. I might start with just general coaching first, building the rapport, mm. getting an understanding of the individual. And then if it becomes apparent that that is something that would be beneficial, often I think it is and they arrive at that point of view themselves. So they're ready, willing and able, then that's the point that you go. But I think that in the first instance, seek to understand. Don't push it. Mm. You know, you're really just wanting to understand what got in the way. And it might be better just to connect and coach Mm. initially and then see whether this is something that can add value. Mm. I like this idea of ready, willing, and able. So if you think about what that means, so being ready means that the leader has been prepared for the specific purpose of participating in their LSI feedback. Being willing means that they have some energy for it. Uh. Okay, They might not choose as part of an organizational program, but they are open to it. Their will has been engaged. They're uh. open to it and they've got some energy, hopefully some enthusiasm for it. And able means that they have the support around them to be able to maximize the opportunity. Uh. So I think if you think about that, what does it take to help somebody be ready to participate in their development and their LSI process? What does it mean for how do we help them be willing? And so I think a couple of things that I've picked up when we've been presented with an issue like this where the debrief hasn't gone well or sometimes whatever, there's something that's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. I often find that Practitioners don't do a pre-brief. Um, yes, to where, set expectations or to, yeah. what do you think? I think there's a couple of things. So a pre-briefing, whether one-on-one or in a group, is really useful because it's part of rapport building. Mm. And so you're beginning the relationship in most, let's say you don't know the client or you don't know them well. So you don't want to jump straight into a two-hour debrief, mm. you know, 
I also think it's about setting people up for success. So A, a pre-brief allows you to find out what a bit more about them. You know, what's their context? What do they enjoy? What's the challenge? What do they see their own development goals being? What are their expectations? It lets them meet you, ask you questions, and you can explain the process. You can walk them through what the LSI is. You can explain it. Not that they'll remember it all, but it's about the development of the relationship and explaining it and giving them some structure around what they can expect. You're asking people to open themselves up and be vulnerable. And so I think that this rapport building and a bit of structure around the process helps them be willing, get ready and be willing. I also think that when you do a bit of a pre-brief, it doesn't have to be very long. It could be 15 minutes Mm. call. You can talk to them about how to choose their respondents, you know, give them some advice. So I think the pre-briefing is really important. And you start with why. Yeah. Why would I want to do this? And I was going to add, it's your chance for the judging thing we talked about earlier. Set, get them to set their own benchmark, right? What does effective exactly. look like for you? Yeah. But I guess the challenge is, Corinne, because that's what you'd do if you could do it, right? But I guess the challenge is whoever did it last time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, didn't do that or didn't do a good job of it mm. or, or something like mm. that. So, you know, where do you go from there? And I, I was just kind of wondering – you know, because it's about how you use it, right? Yeah. Because we're just saying this is what you would do, right? That's an effective approach. And maybe the last person didn't take such an effective approach. You know, would you talk about that? You know, it's like a kind of thing of like, you know, a tool like a hammer or something, yeah. right? can be used to build a house yeah. or you could break a window with it, yeah. right? Or, or whatever. So it's about what you do with it. That's right. More than anything. I think you could talk about that, but then you get into the trap of starting to comment on something that you weren't there for, Mm. you don't have enough information on. Mm. Mm. So I would seek to understand in that moment and then say, okay, can I talk to you a little bit about why I'm suggesting it? Mm. Okay. And why I think, based on our conversation, I think this might be of value. Mm. So what I would do is say, look, that's really, it's unfortunate you've had that experience. I know that in my past work with leaders. So acknowledge, accept, and talk about why you've suggested it in the first place Uh. and what you've seen the benefit created for other leaders like this person Uh. in the past. Uh. And can I share with you how we we might work together with it? Can I share with you my process? So a bit of the principles and stuff that, you know, it's not about... All those things we talk about being judged or exposed or whatever it is. Yeah. So all of that assumes that you will have created enough space for them to be willing to want to hear that. Mm. So I don't think, you know, don't foist it on them, but on the basis that you can talk, you're in that moment, you're saying, okay, look, there are other things that we can do. We don't have to do this first off. I really, you know, I feel that you may benefit from it. And so would it be okay if I share with you the process that I use? So I would go straight into that rather than get trapped <clears throat> litigating in a discussion. the past or something. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you get if you're in the past, you get caught in this trap of indirectly commenting that the person that came before you wasn't very good mm. or, you know, disparaging them and who knows, you know what went on before. Sometimes leaders can react to their feedback into a particular practitioner 
because they've tapped into something. Mm. That's a bit of a sore point. Mm. And so it's not that their process was bad. True. It's just that it was not the right time. Mm. They were not ready. So I would kind of keep it in the present and talk about what is the benefit of doing this. If you're sitting in front of them, then they've already seen that you have something of value Mm. potentially to offer. Mm. So I would take it from today and talk about why it may be a good idea for them to consider it. Mm. And then I talk about the process. Mm. And then it goes into just make sure you've got a really good process around it that allows people to be ready, willing, and able. Beautiful. I hope that answers our listeners' question. You know, I think there's there's no one way no. that's always going to work and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's just about being open, you know, have the conversation, listen, and then kind of present why why do I think it will work and what are the principles of the process that I, I want to work to? Yeah, and I, I'm, we're, I know we're going to wrap up, but I just want to share a story because I think that 360-degree feedback, LSI, we're in the age of Brené Brown and mm-hmm. everybody talking about how good being vulnerable is, mm. you know. And I had a person raise a question the other day when I was on a webinar to sort of talk about one leader was not prepared to be vulnerable, was still guarded, and how do you work through that? It's probably another podcast on, but I think I just want to point out that, you know, leadership is challenging and it's not always an easy brief. And being vulnerable and letting down your guard and being open, some people find it quite easy and other people don't. And so sometimes it's important for the practitioner not to try and race forward, to Mm. just stay. You've got to match yourself with the person's there. You've got to be able to meet Mm. them where they're at Mm. and really be paying attention to that because the key to helping somebody be vulnerable, open, is you've got to connect with them first. Mm. There's got to be trust and stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. All right. Thanks for those views, Corinne. I hope that helps our listener. Let us know how you get on. If anyone else out there has a question you want us to to have a chat about, then feel free to write in podcast at human-synergistics.com.au because we love getting questions from listeners. We love it. So write in. Thanks, Corinne. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyright by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.